0: ties right in to our sermon topic this morning, our passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 13. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 12, a portion of that, and talked about this miraculous story where Peter was in prison because he was sharing the gospel of Christ, and he was uh, miraculously delivered from that. He was freed from God sending an angel as the church prayed, and we talked about uh, how God... uh, Took, literally took the chains off of Peter. And I, just a reminder that I, I'm still thankful today that God removes those chains. God still saves people. Amen. Uh, God saved a young man this, this week, actually, through the ministries of the church. And he's continuing to do wonderful things all around the world. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Our focus shifts from individuals in the church to really the church at large. And at this point in the book of Acts, the gospel has begun to spread very rapidly, getting out to... The ends of the earth at that time, as Jesus had said that it would. And we come to this church called Antioch. And we've talked a little bit about the church in Antioch already. But there's three verses. We're only going to look at three verses this morning. The first three verses in Acts 13. And they tell us so much about this particular church. Let's read these verses together. The Bible says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. And then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. I wish we had had time to talk to Chris and Amy about what that part of the story was like. Of getting that call and having to pick up your life and go wherever it is that the Lord's leading you. We often say that we want to be a New Testament church, right? Our goal is to be a New Testament church. But have you, have you ever thought about what that means? Have you ever thought about exactly what a New Testament church looks like? I mean, if you go into the New Testament and you look at the churches that are in the New Testament, you kind of like, I don't... I'm not so sure about this. For example, the Corinthian church. They had so many problems, Paul had to write them at least two letters to try and correct. There were sins in the Corinthian church that I won't even mention in a crowd like this. Take the Galatian church. The Galatian church had its own issues that we've been talking about on uh, Wednesday nights. They had these uh, this struggle with the nature of the gospel. you got the Roman church that had theological questions and even sin problems. The Ephesian church struggled with The nature of the church itself, what it's supposed to be like, how it's supposed to function. The Philippian church struggled with fellowship issues. The Colossian church struggled with Christ's deity. The Thessalonican church struggled with his second coming and maybe they just missed it. And What what exactly does that look like? You get to the book of Revelation and the seven churches in the book of Revelation that are described there all have their own problems. Everything from accepting false doctrine and false teaching to losing their first love and their passion for Christ. So what exactly is a New Testament church? Well, I I think the church at Antioch gives us one of the best examples of what that's supposed to look like. And in these three verses, there's four things we can learn this morning that applies to the church today. One, a New Testament church, an Antioch church, is a serving church. The Bible tells us there were people there that were prophets there were teachers there were positions in this church that had been filled and and there were people proclaiming God's word and there were others that were teaching how that word applies to their lives how to live out that word instructing people Luke tells us that they were worshiping the Lord in verse 2 other translations say maybe yours in front of you says they ministered to the Lord or worship the Lord. And the language is reminiscent of the Levites from the Old Testament who ministered before the Lord, and people in the Antioch Church apparently served and ministered in, in various ways, even at their own expense. It cost them time, it cost them resources, it cost them energy, but they were willing to serve God and serve one another. Earlier in the book of Acts, Luke tells us that when hardship and famine hit the church in Jerusalem, guess who stepped up to the plate and sent relief? It was the church in Antioch that sent money and and, and met those needs through Saul and Barnabas. I wonder, uh, we'll talk about this tonight, how FBC is doing when it comes to serving. And honestly, I think we're doing pretty well. I, look around. I got a call a couple of weeks ago. We were in the middle of something and I got a call from someone at the KBC and they were just asking how things were going at church. And I looked around and, and there were just people. Every, this is the middle of the day or right the middle of the week. There were people everywhere on this church campus. There were people loading food, unloading food, people working in clothes, people inside the church running back and forth, taking care of business, working on the building, like a bunch of worker ants. And I was like, Lord, you've really blessed us with some good Servants in this church. And I was so proud of our church. Serving is critically important, not only for the health and the mission of the church, but think about this. You can come to every Bible study. You can come to church on Sunday morning. You can be part of a Sunday school and you can learn all of this knowledge, right? And you should. But you will probably grow more and grow faster when you actually begin to serve God and serve others with the way that He has gifted you. And we've got plenty of opportunities for you to get plugged in and serve. I keep talking about this, but we've got a lot of needs. We've got a lot of positions that still need to be filled. There's always an opportunity to serve the Lord through the ministries of this church. So if you still don't know what you're supposed to be doing, please come talk to me. I love those kinds of conversations. We'll find a place for you to serve. The second thing we learned from the Antioch Church is that not only are we supposed to serve God and serve other people we were supposed to do so sacrificially. They were a sacrificial church. They not only gave their time and talents and service, but think of this, they not only gave their money, they also gave away their most prized possession, their people. They gave away their leaders. And understand, I want to go through these names that Luke takes the time to very carefully mention who they are. The people that uh, he lists here, they're not just ordinary folks in the church. These were giants in the early church. We've talked about Barnabas before, how Barnabas was called a a good man, a generous man, that he was a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was a gracious man, and I think he was a man that was very much like Christ. We've talked a lot about Barnabas. But then you come to this man, Simeon, or Simon, and this is a really interesting character. He's an African man. And some scholars believe that this Simeon could be the exact same Simeon or Simon of Cyrene that carried the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine hearing the teaching and the preaching of a man that carried the cross of Jesus? That was pulled out of the crowd that day to carry the, the cross of this beaten, bloodied man and, and, and moving from that to becoming a leader in Christ's church. He had literally been covered with Christ's blood. What an awesome character. But then you come to Lucius of Cyrene. And we don't know a lot about him, but we can infer a few things. If Simon in this passage is Simon of Cyrene, which I think he probably was, this Lucius of Cyrene could have been one of his converts. He could have went back home and said, guys, listen, you'll never guess what happened to me. In Jerusalem, as I got pulled out of the crowd to carry the cross of this man, let me tell you about it. He's the real deal, and this Lucius could have came back with Simon. The Bible tells us that the church in Antioch was founded by Cyrenians and people from Cyprus, so I think there's probably a connection there. And then there's this man called Manian, who's called a close friend or one that is brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Now that's a label. It's given to these young boys, these men that were raised with the royal prince. means they they grew up with him. They were raised in his court. And so this man was uh, raised with Herod. The same Herod who stole the woman uh, from her husband. The same Herod that was the one that murdered and beheaded John the Baptist. The same Herod who mocked the Lord Jesus Christ. These two were raised together. They played together. They studied together. But one commentator puts it like this. Manan became a minister, while Herod became a monster. Manan became a believer, but Herod became a beast. I think his life is a reminder of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he can go into any situation, anybody's story, and change them. Last of all, there's Saul of Tarsus. We've talked plenty about Saul, the former persecutor of the church. The one that was radically saved and converted on the road to Damascus. Directly commissioned by Christ as an apostle. But the point is this. What a church. If you just had those men leading in your church. What a church. People... Perhaps the one that carried Christ's cross. Saul of Tarsus who was uh, approached by Jesus himself and saved. I mean, come on. Barnabas, this powerhouse of a man. What a church. But here's the thing. They were willing to give away those people. They were willing to let them go to sacrifice their own kingdom for the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and send them out. I think not only are we supposed to be willing to sacrifice our greatest leaders, but we're supposed to be willing to answer that same call when it comes to us. When God begins to call you away from your home and your hometown and your home church to take the gospel wherever it needs to go next. When God says go, you've got to go. And let me tell you something, it's not always easy Trust me, I've been there. But you'll never regret it if you let him take you wherever he wants to lead you. And that takes us to this third point. It was a spirit-filled church. It's so important. What does this mean to be a spirit-filled church? What exactly does this look like? Well, we know the church in Antioch was a spirit-filled church. One, because... Individual members of the church were spirit-filled people. We know that Barnabas, for example, again, was a man specifically described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Others were as well. But being spirit-filled doesn't just mean that it feels a certain way, even though it will feel spiritual. It's so much more than that. It means that the church as a whole, as Luke would tell us, was led by, was submissive to, and was obedient to the leadership of God's Holy Spirit. That you had all these individuals who were following the Spirit. And collectively as a church. The church was following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But also the church was engaged in spiritual things. What does Luke tell us? He says that in, just in these three verses. They were engaged in studying and teaching the word. They were worshiping God. They were busy fasting and praying. They listened to the voice Of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is one of the elements. The key elements. That is missing from many churches today. Only 2,000 years later. We're missing the mark. When it comes to following the Holy Spirit. A lot of churches have wonderful programs. We have wonderful ministries. We do a lot of things that are good. We do a lot of the right things. We can have strong charismatic leaders. The church could even be growing. And meet their budget. Let me tell you something, if the Holy Spirit's not in this thing, we're not going to get spiritual results. On the flip side of that, if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and we're following Him in obedience, then the church is going to experience His empowerment, His provision, is going to experience His sovereignty in providing these opportunities to reach people that we never thought we'd ever be able to reach as a church. So the lesson for us, I think, is to break down barriers that inhibit God's Spirit working in and through our church. And there's a lot of ways we do this. We'll talk more about this tonight, so I encourage you to come back out for our discussion this evening. But it means, one, that we have to repent from sin. Sin can be one of the greatest hindrances to the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. We've got to turn from our sin. We've got to prayerfully depend on Him in all things that we're doing. We've got to be in His Word. Sometimes it may be so simple as adjusting our attitudes and being repentant and obedient but each of us as individuals in the church have to daily seek to be filled with the holy spirit we don't talk about that enough do we but it's critically important not only for us but the church as well and when we're doing that when the spirit calls us when the spirit leads us it's a lot easier to answer that call and to let others go and answer that call as well and that takes us to this final thing the Antioch church was a sending church Luke tells us that the Holy Spirit told them sometimes I wish God would just do that right he'd just say Tyler I really need you to do this make my job a lot easier The Spirit told them, set aside for me or set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And what did the church do? They responded the exact right way. Luke says that they fasted and they prayed. And then they sent them off. Understand that they weren't sending off people that they were glad to get rid of. That would be easy, right? Thank you, Lord, for calling them out to the mission field. No, they sent Saul or Paul and Barnabas. One commentator said this would be like cutting the arm and the leg off the church body. It hurt to let them go. Some of the strongest leaders in the early church. It was a sacrifice. It was a tremendous sacrifice in obedience to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. But the church was willing to support this. And I think this is why they understood the importance of not just church work, but kingdom work. There's a concept among Southern Baptist leaders and Christian uh, leaders today that's called gaining by losing. And what that really boils down to is that we understand and we accept that we gain more for the kingdom. And it may cost us a little bit here in our own church, but we gain more for the kingdom by sending out that one or two or three or four into the world, into the mission field. And trust that God will bring into His kingdom multitudes through them that maybe they would not bring in through our little kingdom here. And listen, I love our church. And I'm a proponent of the local church. But it's not just our church involved in this. We are part of Christ's church all around the world. As His kingdom is growing every single day. And we've got to be willing to be part of that. And listen, it's not always easy. To send out the Pauls and the Barnabases and, and everybody else. And trusting that the, the Spirit's going to do what He says He'll do. It takes a lot of faith. But it's hard. I cannot even imagine if Easton comes to me in 20 years and he's like, Dad, I think God's calling me to Timbuktu or wherever. It'd be tough. On the other side of things, it's tough to go when God tells you to leave. To leave everything you've worked for and everything that you feel like you've invested to and to leave it behind. To leave your families behind. I remember when I left the previous pastorate, listen man, it was tough. I'm not going to lie about that, it was hard. I, me and God went round and round a little bit about this. But I, I had to sit down and with the man that I had led to Christ, that I had discipled and poured into for several years, and mentored in ministry, and look him in the face and say, "Look, man, God is telling me to go, and this ministry is going to be on you now." But you know what? He responded the exact right way, just like this church. You know what he said? He said, "You go, and you find <laughs> the next Brian Hubbard in Barberville." And I thought, man, that's the attitude right there. That should be the church's attitude, right? When God says go, we go, and we support those that have to go. Because it's tough. Let me tell you something. When we're obedient in this matter, holy cow, God does some incredible things, doesn't he? I know a lot of you have set foot onto the mission field. You've had to leave people and things behind yourselves. And I know it's not always easy, but looking back, you can always say it was absolutely worth it. FBC has a strong reputation for sending folks and supporting those who have been sent throughout the years. So this morning, my challenge is For us to not only send more people as a church. That's important. But it's a little bit closer to home. My challenge for us this morning is to answer that call when the Holy Spirit says go. Because tomorrow, when you get up tomorrow morning on Monday morning, the Holy Spirit may not say it's time for you to go to the other side of the world. He may say it's time for you to go to your neighbor or your family member. Or your friend, or maybe you need to go to church this Friday and help uh, Tyler and Derek hand out food boxes. And if we're going to be obedient in the big things, I think we've got to start being obedient in the day to day, seemingly smaller things as well. God is always calling us to take the next step. And maybe this morning, God's calling you to, to something. Maybe it's a decision that you've been wrestling with, something that you've been. Putting off, Maybe you've been like me and you've been trying to argue and reason with God. Whatever the case may be this morning, you need to just just make it right. And say, yes, Lord. Maybe He's been calling you to salvation and you've been putting off getting saved. Maybe He's been calling you to church membership or to baptism. Or maybe it is to ministry or the mission field. Or maybe it's just simply committing once again to a deeper walk with Him every day of your life. Whatever the case It is this morning. Would you be obedient to His call? Stand together, let's pray. Father, thank You for examples like this Antioch church that we have. Thank You for these heroes in the faith. Like Barnabas, Saul, Simeon. Our heroes that we have today, the ones that are out there on the front lines, Lord, like Chris and Amy. But Lord, I also thank you that you choose to use the weak and the foolish people of this world, the insignificant ones like myself, right here. God, you want to use us in our families. You want to use us in our workplace. You want to use us at the gas station in the line at the grocery store. You want to use us as we raise our kids. God, this morning, I just pray that we'd have a willing heart. You always ask us to take one more step. It's like we never get there until we go home to be with you. And Lord, as your spirit moves this morning, I pray that you'd make the next step for us very clear. God, maybe for someone that is salvation. Maybe it is baptism. Maybe it's something so much bigger. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and the faith follow you whatever that may be today we ask this in jesus name amen as we sing a song of invitation this morning if there's something that you need to commit to if there's a decision that you've been wrestling with today i just encourage you to step out in faith and say yes would you come as we sing this morning thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at First underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.